This is Dove Tuzman, and you're back on Equal Footing. We are broadcasting for the second straight week live from Dubai. It is 3 in the morning. I am here in our makeshift studio on Palm Jumeirah. We'll give a little shout-out to the uh, hotel and conference room, that conference center that we're in, uh, for their graciousness in receiving us this very early morning. We're at the 8 uh, on Palm Jumeirah, and I'm here joined by... Two gentlemen who have managed to stay awake uh, through uh, the evening and and are excited to talk about a subject that I think will interest you irrespective of whether you've been out here to the United Arab Emirates, uh, to uh, Dubai in specific, or even to the Middle East, although I know many of you have been to Israel. Well, next time, pop over to the UAE to Abu Dhabi, to Dubai, and the other Emirates. They are now open for tourism from Israel and very friendly to uh, business opportunities. And the growth of the Jewish community here is what we're going to be talking about tonight. It's really extraordinary. Uh, I lived out here in Dubai for business reasons for off and on for about eight years, 2005 to around 2013. And coming back here for the first time in about six and a half years, it's just been amazing to see the growth uh, of the Emirates. As is always the case, you leave this place even for a little while and you see new buildings, new islands, new projects pop up. But as, uh, to the subject of tonight's show, the growth of the Jewish community, you know, when I was here, we, we did have a minyan, we did have the ability to get together and and pray, but it was kind of on the DL, and certainly we didn't have uh, every week the uh, the sufficient numbers. And now it's a totally different story, as you're going to hear be here about tonight. But you know what? We don't only have um, Jewish voices on the program. We wanted to get the perspective of a distinguished gentleman, former member of Parliament, and an active um, agent of positive change. Uh, here in, in the Emirate. I'm going to actually start by introducing uh, our distinguished guest, Ahmed Obeid Al-Mansouri. And, uh, and Ahmed, you, I hope that you will um, forgive me if I didn't pronounce your name exactly. <laughs> uh, Ahmed, as I said, was a, a, a former member of parliament, the Federal National Council here in the United Arab Emirates. Uh, he's a graduate of political science and economics from Creighton University. He also has a master's from the University of Wollongong's Dubai campus, which is not that far from a couple miles from where we are right now. Uh, and he is currently the founder and chairman of the Museums Group. And the Museums Group includes um, a, an award-winning museum called the Crossroads of Civilization. And Ahmed has been instrumental in bringing to fruition the first Holocaust memorial exhibition in the Arabic and Islamic world, which I think is just extraordinary. And I give you um, enormous credit for, 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 for doing that. And we're planning, uh, uh, planning to visit that actually over the next couple of days. Um, I wanted to uh, I'll quickly uh, finish the, uh, the, the, the intro here because there's a lot to say. Uh, Ahmed is also uh, generally in his role of promoting multiculturalism, peace, and tolerance, uh, here in the Emirates, um, he has also been uh, the 
founder of The Strategist, which is a research organization that focuses on geopolitical affairs, policy studies here in the Middle East and the Gulf, and he holds multiple awards for his continuous work and research in developing cultural understanding and programs of excellence here in the public, uh, public sector. Ahmed, thank you for being here at 3 in the morning. You're welcome, and thank you for hosting me here. I'm very honored to be here, and uh, I would like to say good evening to everyone in the United States and Canada and outside of UAE, and good morning in Dubai. Yeah, I, I, I'd love if we got a text or a question here from Dubai so you hear the wake, other than, the, other than those of us in the room right here. I want to introduce um, really the, the inspiration for uh, tonight's program. When I came out here to Dubai, I was hoping that we'd be able to do a show that was about the local zeitgeist. This is a place that fascinates me. It's a, it's a place, as some listeners know, my, my daughter lives here. I, I've, uh, I, I'm very connected to, to this place in certain ways, but without the presence presence of you, Ross Creel, who I'm introducing now, we really, this, this show wouldn't have happened. And uh, what you've done here to um, expand, as Ahmed had, the, uh, 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 an environment of, of tolerance and understanding across uh, cultural and religious backgrounds is really wonderful. And and Chilul uh, Hashem, I mean, really, uh, excuse me, Kiddush Hashem, definitely not Chilul Hashem, Chilul Hashem would be the opposite, um, really wonderful work. And um, Ross, I know it's probably embarrassing for you to say, so I'm, your, your bio is just e- extraordinary. So I'm going to try to give it a little, little bit of justice uh, here. You're an Oxford-educated lawyer, originally from uh, Johannesburg. Uh, you've been here off and on in the UAE since 2008, but since 2013, you've lived here um, full-time with your, with your wife and children. We're going to get to your wonderful wife, Ellie, who's doing some cool stuff here as well. Uh, you guys are doing it together, as I understand it. Um, you work in business development for the French energy giant uh, NG. Am I pronouncing that correctly? Um, which has been developing large infrastructure projects throughout the, the region. Um, and you're the Jewish representative to the government of Dubai, which is through the Community Development Authority. I think that's wonderful that that, that, that role exists. Um, and for a committed and observant Jew to be sitting here in Dubai, we're both here with our, with our kippahs on and, and, and sitting here with Ahmed, who's in uh, the traditional local uh, uh, garb, I think, I think called the dish dash, if I get that. That's uh, local kandora. 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 Yeah. Um, we, we'll try to get a couple pictures up on, so, on, on social media because it's a nice visual. Um, Ross, you've been involved really in building the Jewish community since 2013, which has which has meant building, get, creating a place of worship, uh, and also really obtaining and supporting the infrastructure for that community outside of of, of just the context uh, of, um, of 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 a minion, and also working on things like uh, uh, the dietary component, the kind of residential. A component we'll get into uh, here as well, and and I would love for you to reflect in the program a little bit of your experience of actually witnessing the signing of the Human Fraternity Document in Abu Dhabi in 2019, and also the Abraham Accords uh, in Washington D.C. in 2020. Very cool, and I promise, Ross, because not only is it appropriate to promote this great activity, but I love the fact that you guys are doing this also as a couple. Um, that uh, you and your wife, Ali, are both involved in, in kosher food in really cool ways. Um, your, your, your wife's company is, involved, is one of the leading, well, one of the first uh, kosher eateries in, in the country and is a leading catering company here. Um, am I getting it right that it's Ellie's Catering? Ellie's Kosher Kitchen, and then the catering arm is part of that. Um, and then you are the founder of Kosher Arabia, which is a joint venture with Emirates uh, Airlines, 
um, and it's really have the ambition of becoming a global competitor in this uh, fast-growing kosher food sector. And as I understand it, you told me the other day that Emirates aspires to actually provide the best kosher food of any airline. How cool is that? So, <laughs> Ross, thanks for being on Equal Footing. It does. So nice to be here with you and with my dear friend, Ahmed Abed on Missouri. Um, yeah, it's been a, a real roller coaster ride. I've loved every moment of it. I want to stress that um, the Abraham Accord obviously has propelled us um, into uh, another league altogether that we couldn't have dreamt of. But even before the Abraham Accords, we had such a lovely last year as Jews. Uh, we, um, our identity as Jews was strong. The members of the community flourished. We always had a deep sense of being embraced. And the great thing about the Abraham Accords is that my friends in other parts of the world start to believe me when I tell them what an amazing place this is. So I couldn't get my friends to visit me here, and now they want to visit, um, which is great. It's, it's generally great, um, other than when they want to be my Shabbat, uh, you, know, you know, hosting of a Shabbat, and I've got 20 or 30 people around the table, which I, in fact I also love. But that's the deal. So, Ross, you mentioned the Abraham Accords, and... Uh, this, in September of 2020, was a watershed moment. Uh, many of our listeners will know, but some won't. And so, in brief, uh, we have a, uh, a coming together of uh, Israel and the UAE uh, signing for diplomatic relations, opening up uh, business uh, channels, cultural channels, et cetera. Bahrain also signs on to this uh, peace agreement at the same time. But the Abraham Accord specifically refers to the UAE-Israel um, um, agreement with diplomatic uh, recognition. And Ahmed, I'm going to ask you to, to, to reflect as, as you've seen, I imagine you were here long before uh, Ross or I ever uh, were around here, and kind of how you saw um, that, because it must have been, there must have been a lot of work that's gone, that went on below the surface for many years before the 2020 Abraham Accords that, that, that made it possible. What was happening before? What's changed since? Uh, first of all, you know, as they say, culture takes down from the leadership. So the, the leadership culture here mainly focused on uh, openness, respecting each other, and people have to live their own life. Uh, life. So the, the idea was to have this country to be like the land of opportunity for everyone. And uh, here has always been like we have always had people from different religions, from places, and uh, and actually we did not have a problem with anything like that. As a country, we did not have any problem. We have people from you know, the Jewish community, the other communities. Actually, the Jews are very close to us religiously, kinship-wise, so this part of it. And we see many similarities between us and the Jews, if you think about it. Uh, let's say that each one of them, of us, is very, very strong in our identities. So if you look at the, myself, I was working, I work for the government. We work in the space, other places, but we never change. Our identity is very important. People who appreciate their identities, People who, uh, we come from the same values. We, have, we also share, we share the same uh, God and all of the prophets. So we have the platform here, the, lots of similarities. If you think about it, it was uh, an exciting moment when the Bahana Accord happened. However, before that, we have relationship with the Jews here in the country and also outside the country. So this part of the culture, uh, so kinship-wise, culture-wise, is very important. You are in the Middle East. You cannot escape religion in the Middle East. It's a religion, by the way, it's based on factors to bring us together. And uh, in my museum, I have many Jewish items. When the religious people come there, they're more excited than others when they come see them, because they're very excited because they have not seen it before. Yeah, when you say religious people visiting your museum, I assume you don't 
yeah, you're talking about Muslims and Jews. Um, that are, and, and I certainly experienced that living and working in, in the Arab world, how much kinship you feel if you can get below the surface and get to the, to the human level. Yeah, real, real quick, some of the things just to give our listeners a sense of the, of the momentousness of the change that occurred since the Abraham Accords were, were signed. I mean, you had um, joint ventures between like Emirates NBD Bank and Bank Apoelink, the biggest banks in, in both uh, places. You've had the uh, tech uh, free zones uh, enter into cooperation. You've had the Chamber of Commerces in both countries um, in the UAE and, and Israel into inter-cooperation memoranda of, of, understa- of understanding. You've had the Ports Authority, healthcare um, ministries create uh, joint memorandums of understanding. You even had the soccer leagues, the football leagues in both countries um, commit to creating opportunity for um, for uh, for cooperation in the, in the future. So it's really been amazing. And I just I was reading that just a couple of months ago, in one month alone, uh, you had five hundred million dollars of deals that were signed um, between Israel and, and the UAE. So, on another show, we'll get into the economics. But I want to I want to you know kind of put into context that change and then bring it back with you, Ross, to the human level. Um, Ahmed had talked about the the, the tolerance of the, the, and, and really, frankly, the, the brotherhood that exists um, between the religions. I think there are a lot of listeners who will say hogwash, like, okay, you, you guys are just saying that because you're living here, it's in your own personal and or economic interest or whatever, but, you know, 90% of what I read has to do with Muslims and Jews fighting each other. Do you feel living here, Ross? What do you say to that doubter, you know, listening right now in, in New York or, or Miami? Well, what I say to that doubter is please come visit because you only have to be here for five minutes to have all your paradigms or certainly those skeptical ones shattered altogether. The key thing for me as an observant and orthodox Jew is just the feeling of kindredness with Muslims. Um, as Ahmed was saying, we share so much practice. You know, Jews and Christians share a book, um, but Jews and Muslims share practice. Um, whether it's the fact that we have a special diet or fast days or davening times, we just really have religions that are doing similar things. And it was very um, reassuring for me as a Jew to come here and observe that for myself. And I really, I would say to that skeptic, just come see for yourself. And when you come and understand, and I'm looking at you right now here, Ross, in this, here at uh, three something in the morning uh, on the Palm Jumeirah, you're wearing a kippah. We met the other day. You're, you're an observant Jew. You're here, not in hiding. I think that's important for people to understand. I was in the, the Dubai mall the other day, and I was with a Jewish colleague. We were there for, uh, we had a meeting a little bit before, and I was overjoyed, almost brought to tears by the fact that I saw people walking around with kippahs, without fear, feeling love, giving love. Uh, we were at a, a, a beach club called the Drift Beach, I think it was, the other day as well. I heard a, a, a group at another table freely speaking Hebrew, engaging with the group at the other table speaking Arabic. It was it was beautiful. Uh, Martin Luther King said, we must learn to live together as brothers or we are going to perish together as fools. So um, the brotherhood you can sense in, in, uh, in, in this area is palpable. I honor you both for being a part of this movement for uh, uh, greater tolerance. 
and we're going to get into the next segment with both of you concretely. Where is the Jewish community today? How big is it? Uh, what is it like to, to, to live here from both of your perspectives as a Jew? Is it, and frankly, is, am I being naive? I mean, is it dangerous in, in, in some regard? How, how hard is it day to day? You can participate, even though we're broadcasting from Dubai. You can, as always, send text comments and questions. Uh, if you want to do it by text or WhatsApp, that's to 917-428-4062. That's 917-428-4062. Don't call me on that number, <laughs> text uh, to that number or WhatsApp. If you want to call and participate on the program, call into our main studio, 718-303-9090. That's the call-in number to participate live on this show about the Jewish community in the United Arab Emirates. I'm here joined by Ahmed Al-Mansouri and Ross Creel, and call and talk to them. Challenge them, ask your question, 718-303-9090. And if you're calling, bear in mind that our wonderful radio engineer is alone in the studio tonight. So if you don't get an answer right away, call back, call again, be patient. It's just one of them there. We'll be right back on Equal Footing. Crossover star. Uh, Equal Footing is brought to you, even though we're in Dubai, not in New York, it's still brought to you by DocuVax. You've heard me talk about DocuVax before. Take control of your medical file, your medical records, your vaccination records, your x-rays, your MRIs, your serology results. They do not belong to your insurance company. They don't even belong to your doctor, even though they do use them, of course, on occasion. They certainly don't belong to the government. Take control of your medical file. Go to docuvax.com. That's D-O-C-U-V-A-X.com. Or go to the DocuVax app on your iPhone or Android device. The DocuVax system covers over 60 different important elements of your medical profile, from flu and tetanus and COVID vaccines to colorectal and breast cancer screenings to blood types and allergies. For as little as $6.99 per month, you can have all of your medical files in one HIPAA-compliant digital storage facility and included in that price, interpreted for you by doctors and nurses that are on call 24 hours a day, 365 days a year to validate those vaccine records, the blood tests, or explain anything else in your locker and save you money when you get a reference to a specialist, you no longer have to go uh, to your general practitioner and spend two or $300 and half of your day just to get a reference. You can get that reference directly based on a relevant medical file. DocuVax medical data is never accessible to anybody but the individual subscriber who wants to share it privately. You use their proprietary QR code-based system, keeps your data secure at all times. So you can share, for example, with a restaurant uh, owner or a concert venue that, yes, you're vaccinated, but you don't have to show even your complete name or the fact that you, uh, or, you know, when you were, your birth date or anything else that's non Relevant. So again, take control of your medical file for as little as six ninety nine per month. Sign up at docuvax.com, D-O-C-U-V-A-X, or go to the Docuvax app on your smartphone, either iPhone or Android device, device, and sign up. And if you're a small business owner 
and you want to sponsor a bunch of people getting on DocuVax, kind of like a gym membership, an extra health benefit uh, for your workers, you can get group discounts, but only if you mention you heard about DocuVax on equal footing, and that's by calling 833-859-1933. That's 833-859-1933 for DocuVax group discounts if you mention equal footing. And, uh, and I would also challenge the DocuVax folks if they're listening to this program to see if they can do some joint venture and get active in Dubai. We'll be right back. All right, you are back on equal footing. I'm Dove Tuzman. I am joined by Ross Creel on my left, Ahmed Obeid Al-Mansouri on my right. We are in Dubai broadcasting live at 3.20 in the morning at 7.20 New York time. Ross, how many Jews really are living in Dubai? When we did the pregame research, we saw numbers. Uh, and by the way, I think it's funny. You can't, you can't do anything in Jewish research uh, or research around Jewish demographics uh, anywhere in the world without running across Rabbi Mark Schneer. God bless him. <laughs> I was like, I looked at him, I was like, Mark Schneer says there are 3,000 Jews in Dubai. How does Mark Schneer know from Parkey Synagogue? No, I love you, Rabbi Schneer. Um, Ross, how many, how many Jews are really in Dubai? And how many were there when you got here in 2008? Uh, the answer is that nobody knows. Um, Mark, Rabbi Mark Schneer doesn't know. You don't know. And I don't know. What do we know about our numbers? We know that the numbers are growing quickly. We know that the significance of our community is not directly related to its numbers. We are an embassy community here in a port. We are a portal into the Arabic world for Jews. Um, we know that um, our numbers, our Jews are diverse. We come from every part of the world. So, in fact, tolerance is not just between religions, but it's within religions as well. So that's what we know about our numbers. Um, I guess at a certain point somebody will do the data and actually give you a specific number. Yeah, I mean, it, and, and to be fair, I have seen numbers as, as high as 10,000. That, that kind of feels high, but then there are increasingly Israeli tourists coming in. I think the first, um, now there's going to be, has it already happened, Ahmed? There's a code share, I think, between Etihad, and, uh, and El Al, if I'm not mistaken. I know Fly Dubai, for example, has gone back and forth. As you said, uh, if I may comment about the numbers and about this is the nature of the place here in the UAE. We have many people that have residence here because they have business here, because there's a land of pioneers, entrepreneurs, and many people. Uh, so that's why many people, the numbers sometimes very high, sometimes low up, based on when they come, when the census were made. And uh, about the cooperation, definitely, as you mentioned, yeah, economic sector, also, of course, you know, we talk about uh, between the airlines, you know, inbound, outbound, and we talk about uh, cooperation at all levels. But, but the most important thing, the key indicator for the success of this piece, it started from the first, from the phone call, when the people the people had a relationship directly, immediately directly together. The cultural activities, the things that we run and we do together, you know, and the, the food, the culture, the conferences, all of these activities, things that, you know, uh, it's not about peace on the economic level, not only political level, military level, it's also peace uh, at the uh, level, and, uh, you know, at, um, more active. So these, these elements are very important. These are the real glue. So we have better the glue. It's happened naturally between the people. This is a true piece, which is very, you know, as, as we say, we hit the iron when it's hot. Okay. I want to, Ahmed, I'm going to get, I'm going to try to see if I can 
before our next break, ask you both questions that make you a little uncomfortable, hopefully in a good way, uh, maybe break down the barriers a little bit. So our listeners obviously are not seeing us here in the room. They may see us after on social media. But you and I, I'm going to say, look a little bit more similar than, than Ross and myself. You know, we both have tanner skin, uh, you know, and, and one half of my family, you know, originally way back from North Africa. You know, so I kind of feel like there's, um, in a certain sense, there's a, there's a probably from Ross, I'm sorry because I know you're in the food business, my diet was probably a little bit more similar to yours. You know, and so you take away the religion, there's a lot of cultural similarities. I felt, always felt very comfortable here in a certain way. What my, my great uncle uh, he went to Israel in 1933, escaped Poland. He was Ashkenazi, so Ashkenazi one side, Sephardic and the other. He would tell stories in blessed memory. He since passed, my great-uncle Abram. And he would tell stories about what he called the first intifada. And it was fighting in units that were Jewish and Palestinian units against the, the British in the late 30s. Now, we never really knew how much of that was... Uh, mythology or, you know, because he was also very much a promoter of peace or, you know, speaking to his own book, how much it was real. But I think where I've grown up and on one side, Holocaust survivors, I've always grown up with the sense of that, that I felt very much kinship and brotherhood in this, in this part of the world. I never was, I wasn't raised with a sense of distance. The uncomfortable question I want to ask you is, were you, if you're very honest with us, with us here tonight, were you raised with a sense of distance? And as an adult, obviously now you're a promoter of tolerance. But when, when you grew up here in the UAE, that, you know, as, uh, Sheikh Zayed, I think originally the founder of the country, um, and is one of his first addresses called, called Israel the enemy of the Arab world. Obviously that's changed, thank God. But were you raised with a sense of distance from the Jewish, your, 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 your Jewish, uh, uh, kin or, or, uh, or, or other human beings? And, and if so, how did that change in your life? I mean, as you know, uh, the country was established in 1971, and they were part of the Arab League, and there are certain things, certain laws that we haven't heard from there. And as a country, we never had a war with Israel, all the Jews, uh, from our parents, from our families, you know, always, you know, when we travel, and also you know, in the region, we had friends who are Jews, and always they talk about the Jewish family as very... Uh, um, people who are elegant and very respectable that so this at the personal level. In regards to the issue of Israel and Palestine, this issue had, you know, it, it's a war. There was a war and everyone was involved in it at that time and there was a political statement and, you know, people were following political statements. So there was no, uh, uh, relationship with that one. So what happened in 48, that's the way we were, you know, so we have, at that time, you know, we had mandate and invasion out of war. Before that, 1916, there was the Hussein agreement, and then, then what happened, uh, what, uh, the crack happened not from Belfort Declaration, it happened from Sykes people, from the Sykes people level. So here the problem happened there. So when the state of Israel was established, I think people like you, like, you know, from uh, they were not involved. People came from outside. So people did not, we did not know the difference between, uh, we forgot from the narrative that they are Jews. We know about Judaism. We know about people came from outside. So all of these things happened. So we did not make a difference. So that's why there were different perspectives about what the Zionism means, the Zionism means, what the Jews mean, and the Judaism means. So that's why in the museum we put the pictures, photos of different places, historical places of the Jews in the Nina region, so people can remember 
that the Jews are not from, are from the region. So, because we forgot about that. So, uh, that, you know, that, that helps. We see the pictures, they know that people are here in the UAE. Uh, they can, by the way, when we talk about the UAE, we're not only the Emiratis, we have many communities from other places. So they can see the Jews are from the region, and they're not foreigners, and you cannot talk about Jews without the Arabs or Arabs without the Jews. Without the, Jews. the good thing is that, you know, the base, the, the positive base is there, regardless of whatever the narrative was in the past, things have changed. It, it collapsed very easily. Yeah, and I think um, it's been amazing to see, I think, it's no secret at this point that in the Gulf, and the United Arab Emirates is a Gulf country, part of the GCC, the Gulf Cooperation Council, and Dubai is one of the Emirates. Um, that forms the United Arab Emirates Federation. And this part of the Arab world, has, it's no secret, has always been, um, at least in my lifetime, more open and more tolerant uh, of the Jewish community, in part because I think putting aside whatever our view on the war is, because there's, there was a little bit more distance, frankly, geographical distance, uh, cultural distance from the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. But, Ahmed, to your last point, I think it was, it's really it would probably be interesting for listeners to know that the Jewish community here in the Emirates as, a, as, a, as an area, uh, as a geographical area, um, there's, it's well-established fact that it goes back over a 1,000 years. In fact, Rabbi Benjamin of Tudela um, wrote about his traveling across the land that is now, now called the United Arab Emirates, and which at the time was under the control of the Persians. And even in it, he talked about in a town called Kis, which is located in modern-day Rais al-Kaiman, which is one of the, the emirates, that there was a thriving um, a Jewish community. And we're talking about, again, 900 years ago. So there is a, you know, in the more recent days, I'm going to turn to you, uh, Ross, you know, there, now it's, 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 a, it's a renewal. And I heard you the other day make reference to the historical um, and and, and I promise on the program we have an opportunity to tie that together because I think most people um, would think of the Jewish community now in Dubai as kind of related to the commercial enterprise of, of Dubai, you know, the, 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 the shopping and the tourism. And, of course, okay, we'll let the Jews in also. But I've heard you talk about the, the kind of closing of the circle and, and the historical importance of, of the community reemerging here. Can you speak to that? Yes. So the, the first thing I would say is that historically what's interesting is that there's, there's never been Jews living in this part of the Arabian Peninsula. Why that's nice for us is because this makes the project of our community a project that really belongs to the whole, to the whole Jewish people. In other words, it's not a project of any particular group. It's not a project that you would call society or Ashkenaz or anything else. It actually belongs to all of us. That's the first thing to mention. Of course, historically, speaking more broadly, Jews were in Mecca and Medina, were in Yemen and Amman, were in the island of Amurz. I mean, of course, where, you know, the prophet um, speaks about, and the Quran speaks about the interaction between Jews and Muslims going back to the 6th and 7th century. So that's very, very clear, and that's why, as Ahmed said, there's always been a sense that, in fact, this is our home, and being here, in fact, is a homecoming, a family reunion. These are the phrases that I think um, describe, in my mind, what it means for our community to grow here. That's, that's beautiful. Ahmed, how do you feel about the way Ross put that, that this is kind of like a family reunion, having Jews back in the Emirates? Uh, my feelings is reflected with the cooperation that they have with the Jewish community. 
I'm as a person. I'm only one person, you know, from the community. That I'm, I'm not the only one. So we have lots of activities. When I talked about, you know, our uh, cultural activities, having compassion for one another, uh, celebrating together, you know, happiness, and also feeling for, you know, that memorial times for the Holocaust and other things. Uh, as Ross was saying, you know, it is, it is a family. And as we said, based on the kinship, on the religion. Even the prophet, when he, our prophet, when he died, he had taken a loan from, he was taken a loan from his Jewish friend. There were other Muslim rich people there. So, and uh, that's the message. You know, that's the message. That's, so the, secondly, our prophet has said also, you know, if you want to learn about history, go to the Israelites. So the very side, they know about history more. If you try to twist it, like if we try to twist it, the history or something, we'll be cursed. So, uh, historically, uh, even 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 the Genesis one says, you know, when God says the the Bible, I'm going to bless uh, Abraham, our father. I'm going to bless you, bless you, and I'm going to curse you, curse you. We pray 17 days, uh, every 17 times it occurs, you know, like five, five times, but 17 times we bless Prophet Abraham. If we, we, our prayer is not complete, if we don't pray for Prophet Abraham, with Prophet Muhammad and for Prophet and his uh, descendants. So these are part of our culture. I'm telling religiously, what happened, the political narratives, you know, was preceding. But the reality, the reaction and the action of the people from all sides, and especially, the, uh, you know, from people to people, reflects the true genuine peace. So people were waiting for it for a long time. And uh, as, as a society which does not have classes, as the uh, locals, you know, we have felt that from the beginning. And, uh, and, and, and we really appreciate that. It's like, you know, there was a virtual wall which was taken away from between us. And uh, we have discovered also. Let me tell you one more thing. Other societies, when they come here, other cultures, uh, usually communities, they go close. They go in hiding. When the Israelis came here, when the Jews came here, we have, they have direct relation with the Maharaj directly. You know, have, when, when migrants go to any country, they stick with their culture and they're away from their people. Here, what happens is that there was no psychological barrier. Americans and also the Jews and the Israelis, they directly deal with the Maharaj directly. They do not go in their own places. So this is a plus one. These are all positive indicators of, you know, the essence is there, the base there. Yeah, it's uh, it's really extraordinary to see how how quickly also the Abrahamic Accords. You talk about that virtual wall dropping. I assume you're referring to the Abraham Accords in, in September 2020, and we're sitting here, you're not even two years later, and you're talking about cooperation across all sectors of society. Tourism is booming despite COVID. Uh, between the the, uh, the countries, I saw just recently that the first cohort of Emirati students are studying in Israeli universities and vice versa. These types of things kind of, uh, you know, like either they bring you to tears, especially if you're in the middle of the night and haven't gotten enough sleep. Okay, we'll be right back on Equal Footing. I'm joined by Ahmed Al-Mansouri and Ross Creel. We're talking about the Jewish community, the reemergence of the, of the Jewish community in the United Arab Emirates. Interesting stuff to come. We've got some neat text uh, comments and questions that we'll get to in our next segment. Do call and participate by calling 718-303-9090. At 718-303-9090, despite broadcasting from Dubai, we are on live. So uh, you can call in and just be patient. Uh, we've got one radio engineer in the studio right now. So just keep on calling. It doesn't get picked up right away. We'll be right back on Equal Footing. <laughs> Eco 
Cool Footing with Dove Tuzman is sponsored by MDCS Dermatology, your experts in skincare. With two Manhattan locations and four offices in Long Island, including Plainview and Comac, the dermatologists and skincare surgeons at MDCS are proud to be affiliated with the Albert Einstein College of Medicine and New York Presbyterian Hospital. So schedule your next skin exam in one of MDCS's convenient New York area locations. To make an appointment, go to www.mdcs.live or call 212-661-DERM. That's 212-661-3376. You can even schedule a virtual video visit with MDCS's board-certified dermatologists from the comfort and safety of your own home. So go to www.mdcs.live or call 212-661-3376. And don't forget to mention Equal Footing for 15% off all cosmetic procedures. All right, you are back on equal footing at 7.37 p.m. New York time and 3.37 a.m. Dubai time. I'm Dove Tuzman, joined here by Ross Creel and Ahmed Obeid Al-Mansouri. We are talking about the Jewish community in Dubai. Okay, Ross, uh, the community here, even though we're in the middle of the, we're in the Middle East uh, and we're in the Arab world, one would think, I mean, historically, this, these areas were mostly populated by Sephardic Jews, obviously. The community here seems to be preponderantly Ashkenazi. Uh, and I don't mean to raise too sensitive a subject, but we wouldn't be a Jewish program if we didn't bring up uh, discord amongst Jews. Um, but, I know you guys are all, you respect each other and you love one another, but you do hold some different points of view. Uh, there's another rabbi here who I hope to have on the program in the future because we're going to make a series of, of this topic in general around Jews and Muslims living together in peace, is Rabbi Eli Abadieh. And he's a Sephardic, a Francophile Sephardic Lebanese, if I understand correctly. And he's been vocal living here about his ongoing experience of anti-Semitism and his perspective as a Sephardic Jew um, where, you know, he and his parents were, you know, kicked out of of the country that they were living in. And so he talked about how the Sephardic Jews bring um, kind of, I'm going to use a a word our producer likes, uh, epigenetics. They kind of bring a different you know, uh, let's, you know, post-traumatic, post-traumatic stress, they bring different intergenerational trauma um, around living in the Arab world. And it is, and again, you're Ashkenaz, uh, you, you, it's mostly an Ashkenazi community. Talk to us about this. So, am I onto something here? Is Rabbi Abadie onto something? Sure. I mean, the, my answer to that question is the following, that the Abraham Accords really has multiple different facets to it. The, the one part of it, which I think is really beautiful, and which I think Rabbi Abadi is involved in, but also many other people I could mention, like Edwin Shuka, who's um, um, involved in the Jewish uh, Board of British Deputies, etc., but living here as well. The first project is the renaissance of the Judeo-Islamic tradition, right? That was a beautiful tradition. Um, Ahmed alluded to it, and we've sort of forgotten about it. We've sort of, the last 70 years of our history have accrued literally thousands of years of cross-pollinization between Jews and Muslims. And it's beautiful. And for Jews like Edwin Shuka and Rabbi Buddy and others who come from Muslim lands, returning to Dubai and experiencing that again and feeling that that history is being resurrected is beautiful. Now, I'm an Ashkenazi Jew. That's not my history. What I love about my place here 
is that I'm involved in a project that includes the whole Jewish people. That is not an Ashkenazi project or a Sephardi project. It's a project about the Jewish future built from Dubai. And I love the fact that I'm an Ashkenazi Jew living in a Muslim country. That never happened before in all of human history. And it just demonstrates, I think, what's special and what's new and what's miraculous about what's happening right here. Well, you, you, you turned it around on me, Ross. You're right. It's, it's, that's beautiful that the, the fact that you could have an emigration, uh, of Ashkenazi to the Arab world is, is beautiful. And, uh, you had mentioned during our ad break, Ahmed, I want to be fair because the, the, you gave me some good criticism. First of all, I have to make a correction, listeners. Uh, the area where the, where the, uh, the medieval town of Kis was, where there was a strong, Jewish community, yes, it was in the Emirates, in modern-day Reis al-Kamen, which is one of the seven Emirates. It was never under Persian control. <laughs> so maybe surrounded or, or okay. surrounded by Persian influence. Okay, the other correction, Ahmed, the, 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 and, or not correction, but you said that if we went to your museum, um, we could learn about that. And I said this in the intro, but I think it's, it merits uh, repeating that, you have introduced the first Holocaust memorial in a, in a museum setting or an exhibition setting ever in the Islamic world, and you've done that here in Dubai. Plug that. Talk, talk to listeners why they should visit your, your museum and your Holocaust memorial. Uh, when we launched the first event with Ross, the community is going to hear, we made the first event about the Holocaust, and Yom Hashwa was 8th of April last year, and uh, and then we made that gallery, and then the next day we decided to make it, 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 it again become a permanent gallery. So this is the first permanent gallery about the Holocaust Memorial and the Arab Islamic world, which really uh, is very important. It came at the right time. It's never too late. It, it, it's very important for one of the main reasons is to reintroduce it and educate it in the Islamic Arab world. And here, this this gallery is important. Because here we are not dealing, we are not teaching Holocaust or talking about Holocaust to the Jews or the Israelis. We are talking to the non-Israelis, non-Jews, and also to not, not only the Muslims and the Arabs. Because here we have more than 100 nationalities and more than 206 ethnic and religions. So, uh, our experience, uh, although it's very small, it's a small gallery, but it's a very powerful message. At the same time, we are, when you deal with people who, for example, some of the questions, did it really happen? It is that type. So, so why we select the Holocaust? Uh, because this is the, the, the in our recent history, the, the biggest crime against humanity, uh, not just against, against it, it happened against one ethnicity, one religion, but against humanity. It's a genocide that happened, so as we recorded, and people have to really acknowledge it. We cannot learn something, we cannot improve something if we don't acknowledge it, we don't study it very well. So that's why it's very important. And this is one of the results of the Abrahamic Accord. The Abrahamic Accord is a catalyst project. It happened during when the world has lost the hope during the pandemic. Everything was down. This is the only project came up there. If this is successful, uh, uh, I think, you know, this, uh, it will spearhead the, not in the region, also in Europe and other countries. Yeah, I think it's important to note that uh, I doubt that the um, your primary audience for that Holocaust memorial are the uh, emigrant Ashkenazim that are coming from South Africa, the U.K., the United States, and living in Dubai. You, you, you make the important point that it's, it's Emiratis and it's folks that are uh, other visitors from elsewhere in the Muslim world that are probably not as likely to get a Holocaust education. And, uh, you know, my family, Ahmed, we haven't met in person before tonight. 
uh, has been involved in Holocaust education for generations, and uh, we, we sponsor the Gratz College, Gratz College, their Holocaust teaching for teachers around the world. And I'd like to look you in the eye and make a commitment that if you're interested, I'd love to figure out how we could get uh, to the program that we do in Philadelphia, brings teachers from all over the world that maybe his first participants from the, from the Emirates be a, be a wonderful thing. Okay, we have a couple questions. You guys ready? We're going to hit our, our next, our, our last break. Um, but one relates to what you you just said. Um, so we have a, a question here from Michael, who's actually listening in Israel. He heard about the the, the program from a social media blast, um, and, he, and he goes back and forth. And he's been he says he's been going back and forth for for some time. And he says that when he's in the Emirates, he experiences more racism and, and uh, anti-Semitism from the non-Emirati community um, than from the Emirati community. And I think what he's referring to is, I don't actually know. I don't know because here there's obviously a lot of, uh, there are a lot of uh, transient workers from South Asia, um, also the Philippines and elsewhere. But I suspect he's talking about, let's pretend that what Michael is talking about here are um, other uh, Arab visitors um, or, or residents that are not Emirati, and, and if and if Michael's right, at least that's his lived experience. Why would why would that be? Why would he feel more anti-Semitism from non-Emirati Arabs here than 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 Emiratis? I don't know if he mentioned Arabs, but uh, he did. He didn't so mention, so. No, because even you know, from some Israeli friends, you know, uh, they tell me when they sit in the, in the hotel for the breakfast, you know, uh, when the Emirati when they see people with the kibba, it's normal for them. But even some people from the West, by the I way. I just want to, I just want to repeat that. So it's, you're saying for Emiratis now it's normal for them to see someone wearing a kippah in the breakfast room? Yeah, first time I've seen it in my life in the, when I was uh, when, when, in, in the UAE, in the airport, in 2003. In 2003 when I was going to UK, and they have someone, a rabbi with a kippah, traveled, and uh, we did the check together there in the airport. So I think there are lots of psychological uh, barriers, sometimes and self-censorship that can be there. But about Michael is right. This is right because out of all of these countries in the region, how many countries have peace with Israel? So many people, maybe they have uh, the intention of peace as individuals, but, you know, they are representing their own countries. So they are in this uh, dilemma. So, uh, and uh, and we've seen this, not just from Arabs, even from Arabs, this thing, but we hear also these stories. And, uh, and this is sad, but the point is here, the place is very safe. People here, you know, uh, if they have different perspectives, they can have it, but as long as they don't you know, cross the borders or, you know, uh, step into uncivilized actions. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, you know, people sometimes may find themselves um, unable to even express what their true feelings might be because of uh, represent, feeling of representation of, 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 an, of a state. Um, Ross, before we get off this, this anti-Semitism topic, I mean, I think it was impossible we were going to go through an hour-long program and not, not hit it. Do you think, Michael... Uh, has a has a point um, in your lived experience. Where, if you have, where have you experienced anti-Semitism living here in the Emirates? Well, I want to say that I haven't. Um, I've lived here for nearly ten years, and in fact, haven't experienced anti-Semitism or any most forms of racism from anybody that lives here. I want to mention that what I love about the UAE is that there is a social contract uh, around human compassion and pluralism, which you really feel. In other words, not just the absence of anti-Semitism, but in general, the absence of sort of interpersonal, um, uh, you know, irritations and people bothering each other. It's just not the culture of the place at all. 
One funny thing to tell you is that uh, you see me wearing my kippah, I'm an observant Jew, but the one place where I don't wear my kippah is at work. I work for a French company, and it's just not done. Uh, you leave your religion at home, and I have to respect that. Um, uh, what I love about the UAE is that um, it really, really is a place that promotes multiculturalism. It's not a melting pot. You really can be who you are. And I want to make you seem to like uh, controversy and provocation. So here's one. I'm going to say, and I really defy anybody um, um, to come back at me and, and, and challenge me on this, I'm going to say we're the safest Jewish community in the whole world. Wow. That is my claim. Um, that's what we experienced during the recent conflict in Gaza, and that's what I've experienced here for years and years living in Dubai. Well, on that note, we're going to go to our last break. You, you heard it from the Jewish representative to the government of Dubai, Ross Creel, that uh, he believes that this is the safest Jewish community in the world here in the Emirates. We'll be right back. Uh, Equal Footing is brought to you in part by Manhattan Medical. Sometimes they have a, uh, a, a cute or goofy way to tie in the topic of, of the sponsorship of Manhattan Medical to our, to our subject matter in the program. I can't figure out one tonight, uh, but Manhattan Medical does some great stuff. It, they, they deal with erectile dysfunction. Um, it's a difficult subject. It's something that uh, people often feel shame to talk about. It affects as many as 60% of men in their lifetime, and it can affect the emotional health of relationships, uh, being unable to have enjoyable sex. You are not alone. Uh, Do something about it. Manhattan Medical utilizes a new effective gains wave therapy. It can help you achieve excellent results. Uh, There are no expensive blue pills. Those are not the only treatment methodologies for erectile dysfunction. Manhattan Medical's gains wave therapy has been used across Europe and Canada for many years. It's relatively new in the United States, and it's taking the field by storm. It's non-invasive, it's surgery-free, and it's painless. With Manhattan Medical, there are no side effects, and for most patients, wonderful results. Call Manhattan Medical about their gains wave therapy for erectile dysfunction. Call 888-EDQR9. That's 888-EDQR9, or in numbers, 888 332-8739. That's 888-332-8739. And if you call and mention that you heard about Manhattan Medical's erectile dysfunction gains wave therapy on equal footing on our radio program, you get your first consultation for free. That's a $250 value. So call Manhattan Medical about their gains wave treatment for erectile dysfunction at 888-332-8739. 8739, call now. We're back on equal footing. We're talking about the Emirati, the Jewish community in the Emirates. Uh, How long will it be, Ahmed, before a Jewish immigrant to the Emirates will be able to get uh, citizenship? I don't think long time. You don't think a long time? No, I don't think a long time. It's, it's happening very soon, I think. Will Ross be the first Jewish citizen of the Emirates? Well, 
We don't know. But, but you know, this is not my decision. But I, you know, this this will happen very soon, and we're, we're going to hear very good news very soon about this. Wow. Well, what do you got to say? So I'm afraid that I'm not going to be the first Emirati Jewish citizen because there are, in fact, already members of our community that have become citizens. Wow. Mm, so there are now Jewish citizens of the UAE. And, in fact, there are many non-Muslim citizens of the UAE. So that we also are not a first in that regard. I would have loved to have been the first Emirati Jew, but I'm afraid that um, that claim is not something that I would be able to make. Well, we'll have to we'll have to tackle the citizenship process on another on another program. Ross, you got a this is almost unfair. You got a layup question here from Marina in New York, who's going to be visiting Dubai in two weeks and wants to know about uh, uh, kosher eating. So I'm sure there are a lot of listeners that are thinking about booking a flight out here. They want to know if they're going to be able to. Uh, and when you're tackling that, also is there can they can they find services as well within walking distance? Where should they stay? How do you deal with those two issues if you're an observant Jew visiting Dubai? Sure. So first point to make is please order your kosher meal in Emirates. Um, I, again, we believe as Kosher Arabia that it's the best kosher meal in the world. And uh, I'd love you to give me your feedback um, after you've eaten your meal. Um, that's when you leave Dubai. Um, you'll get that kosher Arabia meal. When you arrive in Dubai, you're going to discover that there are four kosher restaurants. Um, in various parts of the city. Um, um, there are three or four different minyanim. Um, you can go to uh, www.minyan.ae for information on that. You're going to find that there's an international franchise of coffee stores called Costa that provides our kosher Arabia meals, amazingly certain branches of them. You're going to find that there are three kosher caterers including the one that uh, you mentioned is uh, owned by my wife, Eddie, Eddie's Kosher uh, Kitchen. But, of course, there's also Kosher Arabia, um, the entity that I formed, and there's Treat Kosher, so there's multiple caterers. You will not struggle with kosher food at all. Um, so come here, order your kosher meals in Emirates, and eat and enjoy. You heard it from the official Jewish representative to the government of Dubai. There are places to eat. You know what? As a, can I call myself a semi-observant Jew? I always feel funny calling myself an observant Jew because you can never be good enough. Yeah. No, I'm an observant Jew. And I, uh, I have uh, found it relatively easy uh, being here. And, uh, in fact, easier than a lot of other places I've visited, both in terms of uh, kosher eating and in terms of minyanim. Um, so you guys both got, uh, of course, I'm picking and choosing a little bit because we already had a couple tops tough topics, but Ahmed, you got also a layup. This is more of a comment. This is Amir, who's in Los Angeles, um, who says this is a great topic and looking forward to listening in to the series. And a particular shout out to Ahmed for being on. We need more voices like his from our community. So I don't know where Amir is from, uh, but uh, you, 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 get, you have a note of, a, of appreciation. Before we, before we wrap up in this conversation, as we often do on this program, I want to ask you both to play the devil's advocacy. And the point of this is not to be a cynic. It's more to open minds because I am confident that for every listener that we have right now who's saying, I was thinking about going to Dubai either to visit or to live, and now I feel more comfortable doing so as a Jew, um, or for every listener 
that is uh, that is giving you props, Ahmed, for what the government is doing uh, here and your project as well um, with the Holocaust Memorial for the, the local community and other visitors from the Muslim world. I bet you there's another listener that's saying this is just propaganda, right? It's 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 not uh, it's it's not real. So I want you to pay devil's advocacy for a moment and put yourself in the shoes, Ahmed. Let's start with you of a an Arab listener, an Arab Muslim listener, who is not so excited. Maybe they're from a country that's more directly involved in the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Maybe they're just in their heart, not where you are yet, um, in terms of recognizing that brotherhood. And right now they're feeling some agita. Um, what What do you, first of all, I'd like you just for, we're wrapping up on time, but I'd like you to tell us what that person might be feeling um, and then and then address that person briefly and uh, perhaps attempt to change his or her mind. Uh, thank you very much for this question. This is a very important question. And uh, as Russ said, it's very important. Russ Grayley was mentioning that, you know, we should not only look at the 70 years. We cannot be blinded by the 70 years one-side narrative. We have to be fair. Whether we are Muslims or Jews, whether we are Arabs or Jews or whether, whatever religion we are, whether we are Christians also. So we have to be fair. We have to listen to both sides. And uh, this opportunity, maybe we don't have it for the media. There is shortcoming from the Israeli side, the Jewish side. They don't show, for example, the good relationship from Israel. Because we don't, we don't, many people they don't know what's happening there. So uh, at every media, they talk to their loyalists. And they have, you know, and uh, unfortunately, the political statements prevail there. We have, when the Jews and the Arabs living together, the Middle East was contributing to the world. Values, knowledge, science, uh, the golden age. We saw the golden age when the Jews and Arabs were living together, respect one another. So Jews and the Arabs, but also Christians, Muslims, and Jewish people, so as, their, as their religion. So this, this region was contributing. How come, during our golden age, during when we were a superpower at one time, you know, everyone was living peacefully and contributing to the world. Now, with what happened the last 70 years, you know, everybody is not trying, not trying to open up, to try to learn. So even we forgot even many verses from the Quran. You know, God always talks about the many Israel. There are tribes like us. You know, we have, uh, we are linked together. Uh, there are many facts that show that, you no, know, uh, this is real. And as I told you, as indicators of the peace, that the cultural aspect, the events that we are doing, the religious and all of the social science aspects, these are the glue, these are the ones. And we have uh, multiple initiatives happening here from both communities from the Jews and the, and the Arabs, Muslims and the Jewish people, all indicate that this success. It's not about economy, about the security. It's about everything, about the future of the region, about better than the least. Thank you, Ahmed. I appreciate that, and I appreciate you speaking so candidly to, to folks um, that uh, they might otherwise be doubtful. You've literally got, I'm so sorry, Ross, about 30 seconds, but get in the, get in the mind for a second of the cynic uh, and help change his or her mind. Well, there is a fight for the soul of Islam. And um, the point about the UAE is to demonstrate that Islam is a force of moderation and civilization. And that's what I've experienced here every day. If I didn't experience that, I would leave. I work for a multinational. I can live in many other parts of the world, and I choose to live here. Ras Creel, Ahmed Obaid, Al-Mansouri, thank you so much for being on Equal Footing, and I hope you guys will join again later in the series. Good morning, good night. It's hard to be the system when we're standing.